In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And so I invite you in this moment to allow my words to be your words and speaking them in the I am, knowing and recognizing there truly is only one life, and that life is spirit, that life is God, that life is the vibration of the most high, it is beyond personality, it is both female and male. It is indescribable. To try and describe it diminishes it. But what I know in this moment, rather than struggling to describe, I open myself in the understanding that that life is my life, and speaking in that, I am for each person here. Knowing that as we open ourselves to that awareness that what is the next right and perfect idea, inspiration, intuition, or knowing, guided to the right conversation, the right form of inspiration, whatever it may be, the right knowing, and that this infinite presence can do for us what it does through us. And so I know in my own spiritual practice and path, it can only do for me what I welcome and come into collaboration with. And so I just give thanks this day for this beautiful teaching that honors all sacred traditions, that we understand the power and the impact of the birth of this, uh, the, the Christ upon this planet, but also the birth of the Buddha and the ancient traditions that have built upon the consciousness that this planet holds and offers. I give thanks knowing that the right and perfect things are made clear and available in this moment, in each moment and hereafter. I stand in gratitude for circulating gratitude aligns me more fully with the vibration of the Most High. I'm so grateful for music, ears to hear, eyes to see, for the, the ancestors and the legacy that have allowed us to be in this beautiful country on this beautiful day in this beautiful city. So many blessings. I'm so grateful for all that and so much more. And for this, I give thanks and invite you to say with me. And so it is. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, Father's Day is quite a, a powerful and, and beautiful experience. And we have a beautiful uh, sharing today to, in store for you. And um, we're gonna, I'll do my best to track through it well with as much clarity and grace and knowing that all of us hear and, and experience what's most potent for us. And we're going to do a, a ritual today. So we're going to skip our welcome ritual where we, we witness one another and affirm one another, which is always lovely. But we have a really potent um, opportunity today to participate in something collectively as a, as a community as well and really help shift and move some energy. And so what I... Um, see what slide we have up. There's our mission, our vision, and our conscious choice to teach and live love, which is our... Our, our vision for our community, which is a challenge many times because so many people, <clears throat> so many experiences we have don't feel like they're calling love forth. But as uh, metaphysicians and, and seeing beyond the apparent lack in the world, 
It becomes our opportunity. So today we're talking about vacation from lack. And this month's book is The Power of Your Subconscious Mind by Joseph Murphy. It's a classic book. And I had an illustration I was going to share with you today, but uh, we'll share with probably next week. But it's, a, it's an amazing, amazing book. Lack is defined in Webster's Dictionary as the state of being without or not having or being enough. So not a state of being without. So we all understand that. And so what sets up lack? There's some examples. I'm going to touch on two of them today of the three because of our time, uh, our time constraints and, and beautiful program. And so I will share with you next week um, the, the abundance test. How do I know how abundant I am? And there's a test for that. I'm going to share you a beautiful little story, but I'll do that next week. So what lack represents and burying the hatchet. And we're going to talk about it. So I have some hatchets here if you're interested in burying them. <laughs> Because many times the, rep- you know, the, the experiences we had with our, maybe our earthly father was one that uh, there's some unresolved issues and bearing the hatchet is a metaphor that I'll explain in a bit. So Dr. Holmes says, God gives some more than others because some accept more than others. So it's all given. And how do we become more gracious and accepting? There's a wonderful um, book, all of his books. I don't know how many books he, he wrote, probably 50 to 100 books, somewhere in there. And we are so blessed because if we have questions about what he taught or what he stood for, we can go to some of his writings and find them. And so I'm, I'm calling upon the essential Ernest Holmes today. And he writes this in a chapter about the, the body-mind experience because part of the moving of energy is where we store energy in our bodies. And Holmes wrote this because we talk about perfection. You know, you heard the teens. They are on that. They are way out there on the scale of perfection. Everything's perfect. Everything's God. Everything, and, 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 and all that stuff is great. But I just want to um, bring some of Dr. Holmes into clarification because that's puzzling for people. You know, you need somebody that hasn't studied this and, and they're like, what are you guys, crazy? Look at all the problems on the world. Look at the Orlando. Where's the perfection in that? And so Dr. Holmes had this to say about, he said, it's a popular belief that those who practice this science, which is religious science, which is the science of mind, are a class of people who declare that everything is perfect when, as a matter of fact, everything in the objective world of the race is not perfect and indeed is far from being perfect. This popular idea of the practice of spiritual science is entirely a misconception. A religious scientist is not one who assures himself that wrong is right, that evil is good, that limitation is freedom, that bondage is liberty, or that sickness is health. He does not claim that our objective experience is an illusion, but he does make this claim, that behind the phenomena of human and material existence, behind the slow and persistent process of evolution, there is, as Ralph Waldo Emerson stated, one mind common to all people, he claimed that this mind is perfect and that we all have access to this mind. So isn't that lovely to know? It's not that we're in denial about the world. The world is actually, the world is doing what the world does based on the collective consciousness. Dr. Holmes called it the race consciousness, but that collective consciousness. And, and, you know, he said also that evil will exist as long as we still have things to learn from evil. But it exists because so many people actually place energy in it. He said, he continues, man or humanity is an inlet to this mind, not through choice, but, but by reason of his nature, and not through desire, but by necessity. We are an immortal being, not because we earn immortality, paying for a heavenly place through a lifetime of self-denial. We are immortal because we are made of immortal stuff. There's nothing to earn. There's something to recognize. We're not born in original sin. We're born in original ignorance. 
And so our waking up spiritually is, because when we're awake in that, then it's really hard to hurt one another, isn't it? Because then we show up as an ambassador of love upon the planet. But we have rules and, and, and standards of ways of being which are important because many people need rules and standards and ways of being because they're not yet connected with that divinity that lives within them. So it's a fascinating, he's a brilliant, brilliant man and I just, I love it every time I open up one of his books. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit today about what the lack, what, what lack feels like or what it represents and it represents separation. That when we are separated from that divine perfection that Holmes talks about, life can be struggle. And for many people, it's a lifetime of struggle. And, it's, and it's, it's, it's sorrowful to watch that. And perhaps it's been part of your legacy, part of your family history. Peter Levine is a researcher. He is actually a, a researcher that's done a lot of work around trauma. And he's written a, bo- a book called Waking the Tiger. And he says, this is, this is, a planet, this is planet trauma. Earth is planet trauma. So if you don't want to meet trauma, then you've come to the wrong planet. Isn't that good to know? I mean, it's, it takes some of the mystery. Why am, why, why am I suffering so much? Well, you showed up here. Or we do that. It's one of the ways we learn and we grow. And what he said in this, uh, this beautiful uh, article that I found about him, I have a picture of him. Let's put his picture up. He's a good-looking guy. And he says, when you think of trauma, you should think of not just rape or the big things, those horrific things that happen on the planet, to dramatic violence, fires, terrible accidents, combat, falls, Falls, serious illness, the loss of loved ones, medical treatments, and hospitalization are often much more traumatizing than we think. In his book, Waking the Tiger, Levine mentions complicated births as a source of trauma and even stresses suffering by a fetus in the womb and those who are only the most spectacular examples. There are also more uh, creeping forms of trauma. Many parents inadvertently pass on their own psychological wounds to their children. I, I'm sure nobody in here has had that experience, but other people that we know, okay? I mean, what doesn't get transformed gets transmitted. And I've watched this. I've watched it in my own life. One of the beautiful things about waking up is we realize we get to break the legacy of what it may be. My, one of my father's, the legacy that my father gave me on this Father's Day, and I honor his memory, was hard work because all he did was work. And, 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 and so, and there's nothing wrong with being, hard work is a good addiction to have. You know, you show up, man, that guy's a good employee. But, but it's all about having some sense of, of perspective and, and, and not one identity. Oh, this is time to work. This is time to get her done. And this is time to relax and play. It took me a long time to heal that. We never took any, we never took any big holidays growing up because no people like us didn't do that. So the first holiday I went on that was sort of big, it was like, oh, this feels weird. As if I'm, I'm, I'm like breaking one of the commandments, which I was. It was my father's commandment. Work hard. So many parents inadvertently pass on their own psychological wounds to their children. And even when your parents are emotionally very healthy, caring, and loving, they're not always there when something bad happens. When you're all alone and confused by a threat. So trauma is just what we, happens when we're, we're confused by a threat. And it happens in all, at all levels of life. It happens with animals. Tra- trauma survival is about mobilizing vast amounts of energy, Levine says. So it's letting the energy move through us rather than trapping it. He talks in here about, uh, beautifully about what trauma creates for us eventually, if we don't process it and trap the energy, is a lack of energy, a lack of feeling, pervasive numbness, shutting down, inability 
to respond. These are part of the collapse, this this, uh, flight, flight or freeze syndrome. So it takes our our aliveness away and it shuts down the availability to what Holmes talked about, the divinity that lives within us. That's why meditation is so impactful. And you only have to do 10 minutes. 10 minutes a day is the effective, effective dose is all we need. 10 minutes of quiet, 10 minutes of meditation. He says, Levine says in, a, in watching a, a herd of deer, you can observe precisely how they recover from each fright. Extended vibrations move across the bodies until the inner equilibrium is restored. But why can't we do that? He says, one of the reasons is our fear of the very sensations that would bring us back to equilibrium. So we fear the very thing that can help us move the energy. We fear the idea of crying. Did any of you guys grow up with someone that said, boys don't cry? Okay, well, I did, so I just, I just wondered I I'd ask that. But, um, but crying, vibration, tingling, temperature changes. I think what happens is that when you're traumatized, Levine says, you perceive any change in sensation as potentially threatened. So we trap it. Why feel more? I think people are scared to death of the spaciousness. Spiritual experiences, you go along and you, and you do meditation, all of a sudden that busy mind isn't there, eventually. And it's, it's so uncomfortable for people. Oh my gosh, I would rather die than go into the spaciousness. I mean, that's some people's mindset. And yet the spaciousness is such a beautiful experience. So it's a very interesting thing how we're not used to moving into the, those spaces of the divine, of, the, of the, the beauty of that. And he talks about the gradual pro- process. He calls it tritation, a term used in physics whereby the mixing of two potentially explosive liquids take place a bit at a time. So we have to do it slowly. Slowly, slowly, a bit at a time. We don't have to do it all at once because that'll freak us out too. And so it's growing in that capacity. I've had, trauma, I've had some trauma with my back. When I was 10 years old, I fell out of a tree and they said I broke my back. And then I went, later in my life, I, fell, I took another fall off a building and, and had another injury. And this morning, I was putting candles out for a ritual and my back went out on me. And I thought, because I've been working with that area, I thought, you know, I'm going I'm to be doing this. Because he said, just slight, slight vibrations and awareness can help release some of the trauma. And I do have some, I have some lingering things that rep- represent that trauma. And I thought, I'm going to work on this. And then my back went out. And I thought, well, maybe I released too much at one time. But it's very fascinating. He said emotions, Levine says emotions of loss and grief and anger that people have held on to for, for many, many years, decades sometimes, come up when we're doing this work. And he says what happens with these emotions when we cannot deal with them or that we're afraid to deal with them or they're overwhelming, we push them down. But that which we resist persists. The emotions continue to push up and we continue to push down even more to hold them. And we think, oh my God, if I feel this, I'll be destroyed. But really, it is the reaction against the emotion that is causing the pain. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's so clear and obvious, but we need, we need help sometimes. We need someone that can sit with us and, and, and witness this sometimes. You know, to do it on our own, I think, is unreasonable because it's scary. That's terrain we haven't uh, walked yet. So I want to bring Mitch up. We're going to share a song in honor of Father's Day. And the reason I bring up this trapped energy idea today is we're going to do a ritual in a moment that I'll, I'll set up for you about burying the hatchet. And we have some props up here and some things that ha- can help you make your pilgrimage today. But this is a song that's a... Um, I tried to talk Mitch out of having me sing this song all week. And he refused. And said, no, we got to sing this. And this is called In the Living Years. And it's a, story, it's a song that I think speaks to so many of us. 
about our experience with our fathers and also some of the misconceptions, I think. I want to speak to this for just a moment after the song. And I've asked the choir on the... Please join in wherever you can. I need all the help I can get on this, baby. Every generation Blames the one before And all of their frustrations Come beating on your door I know that I'm a prisoner To all my father held so dear I know that I'm a hostage To all his hopes and fears I just wish I could have told him in the living years Oh, crumbled bits of paper Filled with imperfect thoughts Stilted conversations I'm afraid that's all we got You say you just don't see it He says it's perfect sense You just can't get agreement In this present tense We all talk a different language Talking in defense Say it loud Say it clear It's too late when we die to admit we don't see eye to eye. So we open up a quarrel Between the present and the past We only sacrifice the future It's the bitterness that lasts So don't yield to the fortunes You sometimes see as fate It may have a new perspective on a different day and if you don't give up and don't give in you may just be okay say it loud say it clear you can wasn't there that morning when my father passed away 
tell him all the things I had to say. I think I caught his spirit later that same year. I'm sure I heard his echo in my baby's newborn tears. I just wish I could have told him in the living years. Say it loud, oh say it loud, say it clear. You can listen as well as you hear It's too late When we die To admit we don't see eye to eye It's too late when we die to admit we don't see eye to eye. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. And it's, you know, it's such a touching song. You know, I was, uh, my, my father passed away when I had come to Edmonton. I was living here all alone, and Laura and the boys were still in California, and the teens were doing a um, workshop in the basement. And I got the phone call. My dad had passed away. So it's uh, such a uh, poignant song for me personally. But I think it speaks to the, the race, the cultural conditioning, race consciousness that it's too late once we're no longer in form. And what I know spiritually is that's just not accurate that our, our ancestry and ancestors are right there with us. When I was in um, Abhijanya with John of God, um, I've gone three times, one of the things they talk about is you walk into the first meditation room and they call it the washing machine. And so what's happening there is that the, the, the angels of light that are working on our behalf are scrubbing our consciousness as we walk through. And I think it's really about loosening some of that energy that, that Peter Levine talks about trapped energy. And also when I was in uh, San Diego, I went down for some training a year ago to psychogenealogy and we did a ritual where we lit a candle. We lit a candle for our ancestors and we actually lit, lit four or five generations back. And so what I'm gonna invite you to do in a moment, we're gonna have Anna and the choir come up. They're going to uh, chant, a beautiful chant for us while we move into this. Um, we have up here candles, tea lights, and there's some larger candles look like this. And I'm going to invite you to grab, a, the first people up will grab a taper, which we use at the uh, candle lighting on, on uh, Christmas Eve, and light your taper, and then light a tea light if you're guided to that for your ancestor, for your father on Father's Day, your grandfather, maybe it's for the entire lineage. But what it is, it's not an opportunity, it's an opportunity to move and shift any energy that we're carrying with us. What does it, we don't transform, we transmit. And so it's our opportunity collectively to move energy here. And the other piece that I have available for you, because you might not be ready to light a candle in remembrance of your father, is a picture of an axe. And so if you feel guided, they're in baskets here, and take, you can take an axe home with you, 
and if you when you do enough uh, of your own spiritual process with it, you can bury the axe. So, and and what burying the axe comes from is a beautiful um, tradition in the indigenous culture. And I have the quote here somewhere. Had it this morning. But it was when two tribes would come together and what they would do is to, when they finally struck a peace uh, treaty, is they would dig a hole and each chief from each tribe would hurl the axe down into the earth, never to be seen again. And so that's where bearing the axe comes from. And so you may be in a position where you might not be ready to light a candle, but you might be ready to bear the axe. And, it, and you may be ready to do both. So please, if you'd like to take a, Somebody told me this morning that they needed a bigger axe to bury. And I said, well, you're... <laughs> Sure, you can find one, but uh, we're going to invite the choir to come up, and so just one by one, we'll light the the uh, you know feel free to come up and begin lighting the the tea lights in honor of your ancestors, and especially on Father's Day for fathers. Beautiful, thank you, choir. If you noticed, some people were really moving some energy there, so it's a beautiful thing. It's a really wonderful thing to be able to come together collectively and have a, a powerful... Because if it, if it frees one person, it frees us all. We truly are connected. So I found my, my hatchet quote. So if you were... And I wanted to share it with you. So this comes from 1664. It was a record that was written in Canada by the Jesuits. And they, they, they recorded this around the, this idea of burying the hatchet. He said that the chiefs would come together and proclaim that we wish to unite all nations of the earth and to hurl the hatchet so far into the depths of the earth that it shall never be seen in the future. Oh, powerful. So I'm taking a... If we have plenty of them here. To bury that hatchet. It frees us. And so going forward, it's our opportunity to bring the mindfulness and the awareness to that, that, uh, that, that process we're talking about on Father's Day and how we can honor their legacy and the, the legacy of the people that have provided the opportunity for us to be here together, you know, to understand that, uh, that we are all, we, are, we have everything that's required within us. There's nothing to earn. There's nothing that we have to achieve in terms of that. It's a given. We just simply have to reveal it. As Dr. Holmes said, there's no, no process in healing. There's only a revealing. We're, we are immortal already. We are rich already. And we are lighting the ancestors. So you see the lights up here today. We've, we light our ancestors in, in appreciation. And also, if there's something that's lingering with us, to give that source energy, not back to them, but give it back to spirit to be transformed. That's the nature of the infinite. It is that washing machine in consciousness. And so I'm just so grateful to be part of that with you today. As we move into our offering today, I just want to give thanks. Oh, I know what it was. I have this beautiful, beautiful phone call. I'm going to run up and get the other mic. I want to play this for you, or Elizabeth, if you wouldn't be so kind. So, you know, we talk about uh, a world that works for everyone. Thank you, Teresa. And uh, so I came into my office last Monday, and I got this recording from this fellow from Norway, because we have podcasts. If you're not here with us, we have people all over the world that listen to our Sunday service. And so this was a fellow that I haven't met yet, but if I get to Norway, I'm going to look him up. Hi, Dr. Patrick, how are you? My name's Derek. I'm calling from Norway. Um, I'm English, of course, but uh, I just wanted to send you guys love and light and uh, a big, huge thank you for um, pretty much changing my life, guys. Um, you have no idea what you do. Um, and it's 
Yeah, well, I think you do know what you do, actually. But um, I just wanted to say thank you. I just wanted to take this chance to say, you know what? You guys rock. Um, and you have opened my eyes, my heart, my world. And um, the gratitude I feel through that um, is, is beyond words. So um, thank you. Keep up. I'll continue to listen to your podcast. Uh, subscribe. I... I get you mails. Um, I'm just so very, very grateful. Um, so yeah, thank you. You have a great day. Bye bye. So just somebody letting us know that we're making a difference in their lives, and and so it's a, such a beautiful reminder and opportunity that. Um, you know, Dr. Holmes used to talk about we don't need to go out and save anyone. We're bi- we got our hands full saving ourselves. But the idea about the law of attraction and that we brought into our experience the right and perfect people that we can serve and be of service to. And so I just, uh, I want to say thank you. On behalf of uh, Derek, I say thank you as well for your generosity of spirit as we share our gifts this day. As I, I grab my offering envelope as well. And our ushers will come forward and we'll play a beautiful song by Karen Drecker.